Life Church created this podcast because we all need healthy conversations with real people. So this podcast is here to help you start real conversations with your life group, friends, and family. Now, on to the show. Today, we are kicking off a brand new series where we'll be exploring all of the ways that we can take care of our mental health. And I'm really excited about these episodes because I think they'll lead to some really great conversations. And some of you listening may be in what our church calls a life group, which is basically just a group of friends who get together on purpose and you're following Jesus together. But even if you're not in a life group, we hope you have people like that. Yes, absolutely. And I think before we get into the conversations, we should probably explain a few of the reasons why we're even having these conversations about mental health. One of the reasons is because our pastor, Craig Groeschel, is actually leading us through a message series called Peace of Mind, which is designed to help us understand what the Bible has to say about mental health. It feels like such a popular conversation topic right now on social media and in culture. And honestly, it reminds me of Matthew 22, 37 through 39. It's Jesus and he's talking and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So first we're supposed to love God. Yeah. But then second to loving God is that we are supposed to love our neighbors. And with that, I think in order for us to love others well, we need to know how to love ourselves and put that love into action. Yeah, so I'm hearing two things there. One is like the commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. And then the other piece is when Jesus is talking about loving God, he's talking about doing it with your heart, with your soul, with your mind. So yeah, I can get on board with that. And I think it's also important to note that Taking care of ourselves is vital no matter where we are in life, which is why this week's question is, what can I do to live a healthy, balanced life, and what can I do to start improving my entire well-being today? And so to answer that question, we asked our best therapist friend, Kay Gackle, to come join us, and she's co-created this self-care guide that will really help us talk about that. And we went ahead and gathered some of our friends from different ages and stages of life so that we can all talk about it together. So thanks everyone for coming and talking with us. Why don't we go around and you can just say your name and then on a scale of zero to 10, so zero would be like no stress at all. You're just chilling and 10 would be the most stressed. How are you feeling right now? Sure. Yeah, I'll go first. My name is Narisa and I'd probably say I'm around a seven. I'm not really a big fan of speaking in (laughs) front of a lot of people, but there's only a few friends here. So feeling pretty good. My name is Greg, and I'd say I'm probably a five. Are you normally a five? No, I'd probably say I'm more like normally around like a seven or eight. But lately I've been feeling a little less stressed. Well, I'm excited to learn why. And I'm Kay, and I'm probably down the middle too at a five. So just got back from vacation. So really great, but the mind is swirling. How should we define the word stress? What does it even mean? So stress is just when your body is physiologically reacting to something that's happening. So a threat 
or a situation that feels a little bit more than what you feel like you can cope with. Yeah. And there is good stress, right? There's a little bit of stress when you're talking in front of people that says, oh, it gives you a little bit of like sharpened thinking yeah. and energy. Like and what those Nerissa's kinds of, feeling. Yes. Right? Hopefully she's feeling the good kind <laughs> oh, <yeah>. of stress. <laughs> but then we have the prolonged stress where the cortisol just never decreases. Right. And your blood pressure is always increased and your mental performance actually decreases in that time. So we want to make sure that we kind of keep it in that good level of stress and that we really pay attention to when our high levels, prolonged stress continues. So I heard you say we want to figure out how to keep it at a good level. Yeah. What are some practical things that we can do to manage stress? We sort of talk about how there's these external stressors and then how it manifests internally. And so some external stressors we can look at are Just the basic ones. Have you had any transitions in your life? Even the good things like going on vacation, right? Even those kinds of things will create stress. And so just looking at what are the things that are happening in my life right now and just paying attention to those. Have I moved recently? Have I gotten married? Have I had Mm -hmm. a baby? Those kinds of things. While those can be positive changes in our life, the Mm -hmm. reality is, is they can cause great stress. And then internally, we can sort of mark these things off of like, am I feeling like there are things in my life that I'm unable to cope with? Do I feel consistently Mm -hmm. overwhelmed? Am I getting angry when someone else asks me to do another thing? Am I just feeling this internal on the edge kind of feeling all the time? Yeah. And so those are sort of ways that we can sort of monitor, okay, what is going on with me and pay attention to what's happening to us? And this is exactly why we have you here, Kay. (laughs) And the reason why we invited Greg and Narisa is because we just wanted some like normal people (laughs) (laughs) to come and talk with us and go through actually a self-care guide that you've helped create. And we're going to make that available in the conversation guide. You can find it in the show notes. But we'll just go through this self-care guide together. Can you give us a big picture of what we're going to walk through in this conversation? Yeah. So Michelle Garrett, a colleague of mine, we've created these seven areas to focus on and just Mm -hmm. pay attention to as we're looking what ways we're stressed or what's going on. And so the first one is your relationship with God. The second one is rest. And then we have relationship with others, your physical well-being, your finances, your emotional well-being, and then lastly, your professional well-being. When you kind of think about it, it really does encompass our lives as a whole. And so that's the idea is that we look at our whole well-being. Yeah, I like that. And I think if I was listening, I might be like, oh, wow, I just took note of like five that feel out of order. And so if if you're listening and that's you, take a deep breath and just think about one. I would even say maybe one and a half. Don't try to do all this at once, but think about one as we process through this. Well, and the reality is, is when we get stressed, usually, and this is different for everybody, is that one of these usually falls off first. And so the idea would be to back up so far that we realize, oh, this is my first red flag. And then we start to change course. Right. So Mm -hmm. when you are listening, think about that's my first one to go. That's really a helpful, practical way to sort of enter into this information. That's really helpful. Okay, so let's get started. What's the first priority that we should be thinking about with self-care? I think the relationship with God, that's the first one we've sort of identified here. And you're going to hear some words that are repeated, like intentional and proactive with each of these areas. And so with your relationship with God, you know, to spend some intentional time daily connecting with Him, connecting with the Holy Spirit, what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. How do you know when this falls off for you? Yeah. All of our relationships look a little different in the way that we play them out in a daily way. And so what does it look like for you? And then how will you know when that changes? Yeah. If I stop praying just even in my car, is that mm-hmm. a red flag? Yeah. If I stop reading my Bible, is that my red flag? If I'm a cons- 
assistant journaler and I stopped doing that. Is that my red flag? So paying attention to your relationship with God and what that looks like, what your worship looks like, and when that changes. Yeah. So, Narisa, when we were processing some of this earlier, you leaned into this one. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, I definitely can. I think for me, this is one of the first things that goes. And even though it is, I believe, the most important thing, recently I've been really loving this app that I found. It's called Pause. It's really taking the focus off in my time with God of just reading and learning in scripture to more of a full restorative push back to God and the words that I'm speaking, even just Jesus, I love you. (laughs) Jesus, I love you. A lot of the time spent in my quiet time is doing that and reflecting too. And for me, that has been really transformative of my view of God and how I've seen him really focus back my love to him. And then that, of course, affects every other part of my life. I'm glad you shared that, especially the part of moving from just information about Mm. God to Mm -hmm. connection with him. Yeah, I was actually driving in this morning and I was talking with God and then I caught myself and I, I actually prayed this. I was like, God, most of my conversations with you lately are me asking you to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, oh, I think that there might be something here I should pay attention to that I'm relating to God less about my love or, mm. or relationship to him and more like, hey, what can you do for, for me today, yeah. God? I love that too, Narisa, because what you said was, although it doesn't look like it used to, mm-hmm. and you were able to shift into a new thing, mm-hmm. a new way to connect, you know? And so the intentionality is still there, but you changed your mood. And I love yeah. that too, because I feel like that's a really good point with all of these areas. Is sometimes we just need to ask ourselves, do I just need to do this a little differently? So the next topic that I see in your guide, we're not going to spend as much time on because there's actually a whole episode about it that's going to come out in this mini series. But I just have a question for you, Kay. Why did you make rest one of the seven priorities? Like, how did you decide that that should be one of the seven? For a couple of reasons. I think the first one was, biologically speaking, we have to have a rhythm where our cortisol resets. So if we aren't giving ourselves that, then our cortisol never actually gets to come back Hmm. and do its natural rhythm that God made us have. And the second thing is, I think we just need to determine how we manage our energy. And really, when you look at all the seven areas— A lot of them, if you're feeling stressed, your energy sort of gets depleted, right? That prolonged stress, your energy gets depleted. And so rest automatically affects all of the seven. And so really just figuring out what does it look like for you to manage your energy and to give life-giving rest back to yourself. It seems like the definition of rest can be pretty broad. Yes. Is that what I hear you saying? (laughs) Yeah. So rest, there's a reason it's one of the priorities. Why don't you bring us into the next topic? So the next one is relationship with others. And this one... I don't know about you guys. This is actually my first to go. So when (laughs) I am feeling stressed, I withdraw pretty quickly. Mm. So the questions here would be, do you have quality relationships with trusted people? And are those relationships, are they transparent? Are they authentic? And this one is always key for me. Are they mutually satisfying? Mm. Because if you are a helper or have empathy or Mm. love people, the mutually satisfying piece can get lost pretty easily. And so really just looking at what does this look like for you, for your relationships, do an inventory of do you have people that you can go talk to even when you're stressed, even when you have nothing to give them, Mm. can you be with them? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? So I was thinking about this while you're talking and Mm -hmm. tell me if this sounds right. So I was thinking maybe 
this could be different for every person. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people are going to check out of their relationships. Maybe some people, they're going to rely on their relationships, but they're not going to actually provide much Mm. mutual benefit to the other people. And that, like, maybe the thing to pay attention to is that something changed. Yes. Is that right? That's perfectly said. Okay, so can I have your job? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Greg or Narisa? Do you connect to this topic at all? I think I'm in the same place of, it is a red flag for me that I withdraw. Like I can notice, oh yeah, spending more time binge watching TV than making a phone call kind of thing. And then the flip side of that, the benefit of knowing, oh, I need to invest in someone and how it feels on the other side of that phone call of like, Mm. yeah, I'm so glad I reached out instead of just turned on Netflix or something like that. Yeah. I think for me, there's a few main people in my life that they're not going nowhere, no matter what I say. (laughs) And I think I've really been learning that I just need to continue sharing those parts of my life that I really don't want to talk about, but I really need to work through with somebody verbally. I work through it verbally with God, of course, too, but then there's something so special about having those trusted people in your life. And I do it so imperfectly. And sometimes that spirals because I do have those people and I know they're not going to leave me. It can get really unhealthy where I'm just like, I can say anything I want and they're not going to leave. And that is not the best way to love them. There is a healthy way to be vulnerable. So what I'm hearing us say is just pay attention to changes here. Yeah. Okay. So moving on in the guide. The next section, I don't really want to talk about very much. So (laughs) go for it. Have at it, guys. I should say we're talking about physical well-being. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, talking about physical well-being. And again, I think this sort of echoes the rest piece, right, is that there are physical, biological things that will help us. The Mm -hmm. sleeping, drinking water, Mm -hmm. getting rest. Mm -hmm. Like there are basic things that we can do to help our bodies function better, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't, ha- you don't have to go out and run a marathon. Yeah. You know? yeah. I tell people all the time, if you want to just do a walk around the block, like yeah. do mm-hmm. something. Yeah. I can definitely speak into this too, because I've always been involved in sports and just different yeah. means of competition. And I think for me, that is a big coping mechanism of stress. And I believe it is a healthy one of just being active and involved in how your body's feeling. And this for me is the first one to go. I get stressed. I don't think I have time. And then I'm like, okay, probably not going to go to the gym today, tomorrow, the next day, the whole week. Well, let's just count it all out. And then I can feel it immediately. Then I can't even get up in the morning. What you were saying is just the biological effects of like serotonin. You know, Mm. when we move, serotonin gets released. And so serotonin is one of the interesting ones because it's a neurotransmitter, but it's an also a an hormone. So what you eat mm. in your gut affects your serotonin levels. How you move affects your serotonin levels. And if you aren't familiar with serotonin, it's a sort of happy, happy mm-hmm. thing that gets go let released in your brain. And so those are things. So it is interesting, right? And it's cyclical. Like when you stop working out or when you stop moving, mm-hmm. your serotonin drops and then you feel more fatigued, but then you feel fatigued. And so you can't work out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so at some point you have to break the cycle and yeah. say, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk around the block. I'm going to yeah. walk walk outside and walk back inside. I'm going to do something. You know, sometimes I'll even tell people, just go sit in the sun for like five minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, that Mm -hmm. vitamin D, like there are, there are biological effects around us that we can really impact how we're feeling. Greg, I've heard you share with me a few times lately, some things you're learning about physical well-being. I love to walk and that kind of thing, but I've been in a season where I've just been really focused on sleep Mm. because of what all of what you've been saying of like the sweet, sweet cortisol rebuild (laughs) and the serotonin, like those biological things that our body has and the access to sleep that we have, 
that God designed, yeah. like all the things in us that God designed that we fight so hard against mm-hmm. with scrolling through social media yeah. <laughs> and like blue light and like all the mm-hmm. things that we just like culturally use to fight against these really awesome things that are just naturally in us. Yeah. And so just this last like couple months, I've just been really laser focused on like getting good sleep. As I was saying, like I'm a five and normally I'm like a seven or eight on the stress mm-hmm. scale. Yeah. Like I do think that sleep has been such a big part of just focusing on it and prioritizing it. Yeah. And then, like you said, it's usually one of the things that falls off in a really stressful season for me. Mm-hmm. It's real easy for me to get too wrapped up in my phone at night instead of focusing on like, no, I need rest. My body needs rest. And it's so great to have it. So the next priority in the guide is finances. And I'm going to ask a similar question, Kay, that I asked for rest. How did you decide to put finances as one of these priorities? Um, I think if we take a quick poll, if anyone's ever had lack of finances or even when you have finances, it's just you have to manage it. It's Mm -hmm. always there. It's part of our daily life. It doesn't go away. We need it. We use it. And so that being said, we have to pay attention to it Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. taking stock of how are we managing this piece of our life. The reality is you can ignore your bank account, but one day you're going to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's better to just live on the proactive side of like making a budget, like living in a way that you can somehow be generous one day and whatever mm-hmm. that looks like for you. And just that is life-giving within itself. And for anyone listening, if this is your one, we actually have an entire season coming out pretty soon. That's going to be all about how you manage your time and your finances. So mm-hmm. you can look forward to that. Emotional well-being mm. is the next topic. And Kay, actually, you were here for an interview for the podcast. This was sometime last year, and we were just chatting. And I don't even know if you were talking to me, but you said something about how there was this point in your life where you realized you just weren't really feeling things. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there, like, swallowing hard, like, <gasps> oh, my gosh, that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, for me, just started this journey of wanting to feel Mm. and deciding to go to a therapist and deciding to tell people when I felt mad about something instead of just telling myself, this should be okay, you shouldn't be upset. And now a year and a half into it, I'm able to like be with my 13-year-old and see something she does and it makes me like tear up just thinking about how much I love her. I never used to be able to feel that kind of thing. And so when you say emotional well-being, I'm guessing this is the kind of thing you're getting at. It's just like, are your emotions in order? Do they work? Yeah. What should we pay attention to when it comes to emotional well-being? I think just paying attention, I think, is the first step. Like you said, you know, figuring it out. If you are feeling numb and you aren't really able to access those kind of emotions, just maybe giving yourself the gift of diving into that a little bit and giving yourself reflection time. This is one of the things where I find with people in my office, the thing that is most consistently said is, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and people think that they don't have time to really like figure out what they're feeling or sit in it for a hot second. And the reality is we have time. We have time in the car, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, or even if it's that walk around your block, you know, just giving yourself the time to be like, what happened today? Was I mad? Was I sad? Is it a good day? Am I happy? Am I discontent? You know, like what are the things that I'm experiencing? Because it does take some skill, right? It's a little bit of a skill to relearn how to live in that and, and to be in that a little bit. And so to just give yourself the time, I think is the biggest thing here. So we mentioned noticing if you're feeling numb. What are some other signs that I might notice if emotional well-being is a priority I should focus on? 
I think sometimes this is helpful with feedback from people in your life. If they aren't ever sure about how you're feeling, so maybe Mm -hmm. your emotional expression is a little decreased, that can be sort of a a thing that we can mark. So maybe you are actually feeling something, but you aren't expressing it. And then that piece, like you said, like even tearing up with your 13-year-old, even if she didn't see it, those are things that we feel when we're with Mm -hmm. people. It's a connection piece. These are all tied together. You see how all these areas are tied together. This is a way that we help relate with God with people, right? These are, if we're not healthy in our emotional well-being, those other things suffer. Yeah. See, I think it's been really helpful for me to look at like those emotional charts Uh or wheels that expand Mm. emotions beyond mad and sad and happy for (laughs) me, because sometimes I think like I'm angry, but I'm also eight other emotions. Mm -hmm. And you look at a wheel like that and all of a sudden you see all these different options to help Mm -hmm. describe. Because for me, sometimes I might be feeling something that I can't find a word for or an expression. And I look at something like that helps me say, oh, it's not just that I'm angry. It's also that this is bittersweet or it hurts for this reason or I'm feeling it this way. And that can help me express those things better to the people around me, to mm-hmm. God, to myself. I got in a fight with my wife where we got to that point where we like we need a little space. Mm-hmm. And I went and I immediately just started, opened a note on my phone and just started saying, I feel blank, mm-hmm. I feel blank, I feel mm-hmm. blank. And I had a list of 15. Then once we like came back, I was like, okay, here's 15 things I was feeling in this moment. Oh, I love that. And then it was like, yeah, yeah. And some of them were kind of good. And it's mm-hmm. just all the random things that we feel in a moment like that. I think it's just really helpful to be expressive when you have a tool that helps you get some of those words that Mm -hmm. you might not know in the moment. Yeah. And research shows once you name a feeling, it already produces therapeutic effects on the brain. Mm -hmm. So once you are naming those things, now you're able to engage in a conversation, Mm -hmm. engage in healthy conflict resolution. The fruit of that is so wide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was helpful. I think I do struggle the most with figuring out how to name them and especially in relationship with others, number three. If I'm not able to name them, then I think I feel like my feelings aren't valid and then I don't (laughs) share them. And of course that is a lie. They are valid. Even if it's a hard conversation to have, the people that love and care about you know it's worth it and they know that they're there for you no matter what. Again, of what I was saying before. Doesn't give you license to be unhealthy in that conflict resolution, but being able to get to a point where you can pinpoint what you're feeling and that it is okay to feel it. And if you need to let something out, tears, whatever, a scream, like (laughs) you can do it. Yeah. Feeling it and naming it are different steps than choosing what to Mm. do with those. Yeah. Right. Mm. But we can't skip those first two. They're important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe we're already to (laughs) number seven, (laughs) professional well-being. I'm just going to pass this off to UK and land it for us. What do we need to know about this? So I think for professional well-being, again, you're going to hear the words intentional, proactive, paying attention to how much am I working? Is my quantity of work outweighing my quality of work? Because sometimes Mm. we can spend an hour of quote unquote work, but the reality is we could have done that in 10 minutes, right? Or vice versa. So like, what are we doing? How are we paying attention to that? What are the outcomes we're wanting from our professional well-being? What does that look like? And then are there other things being sacrificed in the name of our profession? So just really asking ourselves those kinds of questions. Are there some practical things that we can do to help in this area if we're just wanting to get started, if this is our area to focus on? 
So if this is your first area to sort of drop off, then I would really say, what are some other things that are going to build this one back up, if that makes sense? So do we need, like Greg was saying, do we need rest? Is that going to actually benefit our professional well-being? Do we need physical exercise? Because some of these things, if we're not really engaging in our work, we're not mentally able to really be there when we need to be there, then there's probably some other things we can add into our day. Let's say at lunch, you take a 15-minute walk, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of like re-engage into your day. Or you make sure that you're not working through your lunch every day, but that you actually leave and then come back if that's possible for your job. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are some things that you can sort of implement to sort of break up the day and really re-engage. And if you're working too much, then the question is, okay, well, if I'm working too much, what are the things that are falling off? Which is going back to your other point, trying to manage all seven of these, they might not all get the same attention, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The key here is to really recognize the first one that falls off when you get stressed yeah. and mm-hmm. then to really work and figuring that out. Mental health looks different for everyone, and this conversation should not be used in place of a clinical diagnosis. If your symptoms are getting in the way of daily functioning in the areas of work, sleep, health, relationships, or emotional well-being, it is best to talk to your doctor or a professional counselor. Man, every time we have Kay on the show... I think we're going to like do an interview or whatever. And then I realized, oh, I needed this. Yes. <laughs> and so the thing for me today that I realized was this theme across all of the seven different priorities. The theme is just pay attention to see if something's changing. And for me, I noticed that on my relationship with God, the thing that I've noticed that's changing is so much of my interaction with him is trying to get him to do stuff for me right now. And it feels less relational. So that was just helpful to notice that. Yeah, and I think it was also nice hearing her reminder that change doesn't mean that something's wrong. It's just something to be aware of and that sometimes change is required as you approach different seasons. So as we're talking about self-care, I think we really can summarize it as any activity that improves our overall well-being. So before this conversation, the word self-care, they've always created this internal back and forth in my mind Because how do I care for myself if I feel overwhelmed just even thinking about doing one more thing? And then I'm thinking also, wait a minute, shouldn't I be casting my cares on Jesus? If I care for myself, am I taking things into my own hands that should be his? But then again, Jesus isn't going to brush my teeth. So yeah, I do need to do some things to care for myself. And what are those things? Like which part is mine to carry? And is self-care just bubble baths? Because I do not want a bubble bath. And so thinking through all of this, my brain reminded me of a funny story from my four-year-old. We're sitting there and he looks at my wife and I and he's like, mom and dad, does Alexa, he's talking about, you know, the Alexa, a device, does Alexa have a life? (laughs) (laughs) So he hears us talk to Alexa all the time and, you know, Alexa talks back. So I'm like, maybe that's why he's asking, but I wasn't sure. So I was like, why did you ask if Alexa has a life? And he's like, Dad, every day Alexa says, my life is good and I have everything I need. And I like we all laugh because about a year ago, we set this reminder on Alexa that goes off every day at 3 p.m. And Alexa just announces to the whole house, my life is good and I have everything I need. And that reminder came to us as an idea from Psalm 23. So I'll just read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, 
I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Almost line by line, I can see these concepts of taking care of my whole self. And almost line by line, I can see that it's actually God who's doing it. And yes, I need to take part in it. Yes, I need to brush my teeth or whatever. But he's the one that makes me lie down in green pastures. And he's the one who made the green pastures. And self-care is a lot like self-control. You know, it's a gift from God. But we have to take part in it. And he restores our soul. And then, like Alexa, I can not only have a life, but my cup can overflow. And I can have everything I need. That's so good. And I just want to repeat one thing that you said because it definitely stood out to me. But it was that self-care is a lot like self-control and both are gifts from God. But we have to be obedient in Mm. doing the things that he has called us to do and accept the gifts that he's given us. So this week, talk with someone you trust, maybe it is your life group, about these two questions. Which area would I like to prioritize this week? And who can help me as I begin making changes? Have a great week. Hey friend, remember to look in the show notes for the conversation guide. You'll find the self-care guide as well as some discussion questions, a Bible plan, and more. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Have a great week.